This is the 100th episode of the Royal Deluxe Podcast, so I better make it a legendary episode. I gotta, I gotta do the best intro ever. Uh, I, I, I got nothing. Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. And today is Monday, so we are going to talk about a three-game series that occurred from Friday to Sunday against the Colorado Rockies. The Royals lost two of those games, so now their record is at 18 and 41. And so it's brought him it's it's given me a thought that's made me think, huh. You know, the Royals at this point, I mean, obviously they're bad, but they're losing like a bad team. And some of you are probably going to think, oh, <laughs> wow, no shit, dumbass. But I do feel like there is an actual meaning to it. And so I want to elaborate on what that means and kind of what the Royals are like at this point. And um, yeah, that's really all that we we have to talk about. Not too much has happened. Even in, even in, in each particular game, there hasn't been too much to make me think differently of any particular players. But before we talk about these games, I do have to meant to bring up some roster updates. There's one that I totally missed last time around, and it's that Josh Taylor is on the 15-day injured list with left shoulder impingement syndrome, which I believe is the same exact thing that Brad Keller has, except Brad Keller is a right-handed pitcher, not a left-handed pitcher. Um, not entirely sure how I feel about that. I don't feel too strongly because Josh Taylor is... Honestly, not that good of a pitcher, but maybe, hopefully, we can say, oh, wait, he was bad because he was injured. I doubt that is going to happen, but I don't know. I'd like to believe that Josh Taylor could be good in the future so that we can, I don't know, celebrate the fact that we were able to acquire something from Adalberto Mondesi, who, by the way, still has not played baseball this season. Also, Amir Garrett has been placed on the 15-day injured list. He has left. He has been diagnosed with left elbow valgus extension overload. I am not entirely sure what that means. Annie Rogers, beat writer for the Royals, has said that he is expected to miss three to four weeks per Royals officials. In fact, Annie Rogers kind of gave injury updates for everyone involved with the organization. So far, at least with a major league organization. So, yeah, Amir Garrett expected to return mid to late July, um, which, man, hopefully he can because we are counting on AG to be some kind of trade piece at the deadline. I don't think it'll be like a great one. So I guess it's maybe not the end of the world if he misses the trade. I mean, he won't miss the trade deadline. I'm sure you can trade an injured player. I'm There are probably some extra checks that need to be done. Um, in order to make that happen, but I'm sure the Royals can trade him either way. It's just that he's probably not going to have much more time to, you know, boost his stats a little bit and make himself more attractive to buyers. He might just end up going into the trade deadline as he is with a 1.7 whip. Jesus Christ, that is just terrible. That's actually abysmal. But hey, he has a 3 ERA, so 
counts. Uh, 7.3 walks per nine innings, dude. Man, that is crazy. Uh, but Brad Keller um, is expected to return in late June. Apparently, he is already throwing bullpen sessions. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to throw to live hitters. Uh, he's already done doing that this month. So, yeah, he's expected to come back late into the month. Kyle Isbell is expected to return in mid-June. So, he's probably going to be back pretty soon, which is pretty cool. And then Josh Taylor, like I said, um, he he's going to be shut down for a few days. And then they're just going to evaluate him later on. So, no real timetable for that yet. Andy Rogers even provided updates to injuries from for longer termed injuries. Um so Angel Zerpa, there's a there's a timetable for him to return sometime in June or July, which I'm personally really excited to see. I don't know if that means he'll be in the majors by June or July. Uh probably not, honestly. He he probably I, I do expect him to start the season in the minor leagues and maybe he'll he'll be in August or September call up. But Angel Zerpa is someone that I'm looking forward to seeing back in the rotation at some point this season. So pretty cool that there's an update on him. He's already throwing bullpen sessions and facing live hitters. So yeah, he does seem to be progressing pretty well. Jake Brintz is uh, also expected to return at some point. He's actually slated to return in September after getting Tommy John surgery all the way back in July. I actually kind of forgot when that happened specifically. I, I feel like that, I, I kind of thought that happened in like April this season or something. I don't know, kind of weird. Uh, but no, that was a while ago. So yeah, he could also be back in the very late uh, point of the season. I think Jake Brents is someone that can be a valuable asset to this bullpen. I really liked him in 2021, so hopefully he can come back strong. And you know, he he's on he's under contract for a second year. They, the Royals gave him a guaranteed contract for this year and next, so hopefully he'll have a pretty good season next year. And also Ryan Yarbrough is listed here, but there is no timetable for his return. Um, they're just like they're, they're basically at least another month, probably two. Honestly, it's probably not out of the question for him to be out for the entire season with the injuries he sustained. Sustained. So yeah, no real no real updates there, but uh, yeah, it was still really in- useful information for um, Annie Rogers or from Annie Rogers rather. And also, actually, uh, Chris Bubich is also listed on here. Obviously, not going to return this season. He already got Tommy John surgery, but hopefully, maybe some point in like mid twenty twenty four, he can come back. Yeah. And then also Diego Hernandez is listed here because he's actually someone who's on the 40-man roster. He got injured pretty quickly in um, spring training. So, um, yeah, but he is expected to return back to action in July. So that's pretty cool. He's someone else who could be up in the majors sometime late into the season. Anyway, the corresponding move all the way back from the Josh Taylor injury was actually calling up Daniel Lynch and bringing him off of the injured list, so that has already happened. The corresponding move for Amir Garrett making uh, going going to the injured list is that the Royals called up Jackson Kowar, the legend of the, of the zero ERA Jackson Kowar. It had an opportunity to continue, and guess what? It continued. Jackson Kowar still has a zero ERA after three major league innings. Witness him! Garcia in the air to deep center. Doyle onto the track at the fence, leaps, and it's gone! 
Michael Garcia's first major league home run. And witness Michael Garcia, bro. Dude just hit his first major league home run, 414 feet to right center. Just barely got out of the friendly confines of Kauffman Stadium, but you know what? It counts. So he did it. He has his first major league home run. I'm not going to lie. Michael Garcia already feels like he's been on the roster for a long time. And he, I mean, he technically was on the roster a little bit last season. And even though it was only nine games, it feels like it was a little bit more than that. And so it never really came across my mind that he hasn't had a major league home run yet. So I'm just like, so, so yeah, he got his first on Sunday and I'm like, oh, huh. Well, good for him. So let's talk about this series against the Colorado Rockies, a series that I was actually kind of looking forward to because I said in my preview that they're a team that is pretty evenly matched with the Royals. They score a similarly a similarly low amount of runs per game. They have a similarly bad rotation and bad pitching staff overall. They don't strike guys out. They walk too many guys. I really thought, you know what? This is this is the perfect match for us. We are we are destined. We are fated lovers is who we are. The Royals and the Rockies. I don't know why the Royals and Rockies don't have much more of a thing. It just I don't know. Feels like we should. I mean, they're relatively close to us. I, I there was like a joke on uh the subreddit r slash Casey Royals about the 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 Royals Rocky series is like discount i seventy series, which I mean, yeah. Kind of is, honestly. They're they're also over there. Uh, everyone who is on I seventy should be rivals with the with the Royals. I mean, I know the Orioles still hate us. They are trust me. The Orioles are still very very mad about what happened in twenty fourteen. They still hate us, so that counts. However, the Royals they lost two games out of three to the Rockies, which I guess in and of itself isn't like the worst thing in the world. It's like, whatever. Um, obviously, you would hope to, that you could win some more against a team that is comparatively bad, but, I mean, really, at this point, <laughs> it, it's really hard to think of who is worse than the Royals. I mean, I don't know. L- losing games, that's like that's one thing, and, it, and we're all used to it. I feel like we're just kind of numb to the Royals losing at this point. I certainly am. <laughs> I've kind of stopped caring, but... It was a little bit more discouraging than usual this past weekend because the two games that they lost were, I felt, I feel like they were games that were more symbolic of a team that was just bad. Like the the two games the Royals lost to the Rockies were teams that were lost by, or, or rather they were games lost by a bad team. The Royals are losing games how a bad team loses games. Now, for, you know, really smart people, this is a no-brainer. Everyone is going, yeah, obviously, the Royals are a bad team. So, technically, what whenever they lose, yeah, they lost because they're a bad team. The Royals are losing a lot of games because they are a bad team. And, yeah, that's true. But, what I mean by, like, I feel like I've been trying to... Oh, how should I say this? I don't know. I guess sugarcoat the losses. I've been trying to be a little more optimistic about the Royals and how this season has gone than how the results have shown. And 
I, I will I will say the most depressing thing that I have ever said about the Royals this season, something that I really came to realize just today. The Royals are actually closer in record in, in, in terms of record, in terms of wins and losses. They are closer to the last place, the 30th place, place, place oath. Eh, I am more tongue-tied today than usual. Ugh, what a dreadful disease, tongue-tiedness. They are closer in wins and losses to the Oakland Athletics, the very worst team in baseball, the 30th team in baseball, than they are to the 28th team in baseball. They are only six games, maybe six and a half games, better than the A's. Meanwhile, they are seven games, I think. Worse than the 28th place team, which I believe at this point would be the St. Louis Cardinals of all teams. (laughs) That is really unfortunate and really sad. And for, for what it's worth, I do still believe that the talent on this roster is at a level where it it is kind of shocking that it's not winning this many games. I feel like even if this season, even if we lose like 110 games this season, I don't feel like it's going to be entirely indicative of how the next several seasons will go. But back to my main point about this season, where I am saying that the Royals are losing games like how a bad team loses games. What I mean by this is that it feels like whenever something that has typically gone wrong for the Royals, whenever it does finally turn around and start to work, it starts to get going again, something else happens. Something else breaks. Something else shuts off. It's like a really, it's like driving a really old piece of shit banged up car. It's like uh, the transmission gives out. Okay, you fix that. Then the alternator gives out. You fix that. Then the muffler is busted. You fix that. Then, oh, flat tire. You fix that. Oh, you got to get an oil change. You got to get a brake It's like, it's just one thing after another. It is never at a point where it is fully functional. Even for a, a, a tiny moment, even if you squint at it, it's not complete. So the starting pitching, I think it's fair to say that that has been the most sussy baka part of the team so far this season. We have really, really bad starting pitching. Well, for what it's worth, the starting pitching was actually pretty good this weekend. Like, all three days, all three nights, the starting pitching on the Kansas City Royals was actually competent. On Friday, and you're not going to believe this. I hope you're sitting down for this if you haven't heard about what happened on Friday, okay? This is going to blow your mind. Your your socks are going to fly off your feet and become one with your mind. Actually, they're going to be blown into like a million pieces. I, I, I'm losing the plot. Anyway, Jordan Lyles pitched on Friday night. He pitched five innings. He gave up one run. Jordan Lyles gave up one run. And not just that. He didn't just give up one run. He only gave up two hits. He only gave up one walk. He struck out eight batters. Jordan Lyles did that. 
The one run he gave up was a home run in the first inning because of freaking course Jordan Lyles gives up a home run in the first inning. But aside from that, you look at the line and you think, damn, is that Jordan Lyles or Jacob DeGrom? (laughs) I don't think anybody's thinking that, but still, it's such a shocking line from Jordan Lyles. And thing is, Royals lost this game. (laughs) Jordan Lyles had probably his best start of the season. And the Royals still lose because Carlos Hernandez came out and just couldn't get anything done. He gives up three hits. He gives up four runs in total. Nick Whitgren didn't help him much either for what it's worth. But Carlos Hernandez only recorded one out in his appearance, gave up three hits. And again, Nick Whitgren kind of came in, gave up a little bit, a little, a few more hits. So yeah, four runs score in this inning. Actually, no, sorry, six runs score in this inning because I'm not counting the runs that Nick Whitgren also gave up. It's and, and that's just, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, finally, the one day Jordan Lyles pitches actually well, someone else blows the game open. And it's not even a guy that I think you could call a usual suspect. Carlos Hernandez has actually been quite good this season. I've been genuinely impressed with him. This dude's throwing like 101 constantly. He's been nails. And then suddenly this one day is just like the worst day of this season. It's like, really, dude? Tonight of all nights? Why? Because the Royals just can't have nice things, I suppose. And the bats themselves don't do much either because they lose. The the Royals only score two runs. So they lose the game 7-2 overall. Only six hits, although also only three walks. And, well, three walks is like whatever. But then also only five strikeouts. But I don't know. They, just, they So I guess it's cool that they didn't get completely dominated, but that they also just didn't do a whole lot anyway. So finally, it's like, okay, good. Finally, we have a starter who, who, actually, th- who actually pitches a pretty good game. And, and, and not only that, but... Lyles only threw 74 pitches. He's supposed to be the innings eater guy, but this time around, this time around, Q is like, you know what? I am not going to send Jordan Lyles out for this sixth inning because I don't want him to give up a bunch of runs again like he did last time. I don't care if he's thrown five good innings so far. I'm not doing it. (laughs) And yeah, maybe that did work. Maybe it did help. But then, you know, of all people, Carlos Hernandez blows open the game. And then on Saturday, Daniel Lynch pitched, and he his line isn't necessarily good when you look at it at a glance. Five innings, five runs, three earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. But the thing is, a couple of those runs, all of those runs were in the first inning. He gave up all of those runs, all five of those runs in the first inning. But here, here's how it goes. First batter of the game is hit by pitch. So, great job. Great start already. And then I think there was a mound visit after that or something. I don't know. It just says injury delay, so maybe it wasn't a mound visit necessarily. But then, second batter of the game, Jerkson Profar, he grounds out. Or rather, he should have grounded out, but Bobby Wood Jr. bobbled the baseball. He bobbied the baseball. No, Bobby the baseball would mean like hitting a home run. No, he 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 straight up bobbled it. He made a goof. He made an error. It's like whatever. But I feel like that still changes the entire course of this inning because after that, a couple of 
kind of crappy, weak hit singles end up scoring a couple runs. Not not crushed, screaming line drives or anything like, again, weakly hit balls. Like, both of these had exit velocities of like 75 miles an hour or lower. And all they re- all these hitters did was lift them just enough to get them over the infield. I mean, they're hits. They're base hits. But I also feel like they're not hits where you can really, you know, be too mad about Lynch, you know, giving up these hits. They weren't very strong. And most importantly, they probably don't even score the run. Maybe they score one run. But you know they score Charlie Blackman eventually if he gets on first from that hit by pitch. But instead he was on second because because Bobby Wood Jr. couldn't make the play from earlier. So he scores, and there's a runner behind him who also scores just because he was there. And then later on, Elihuis, I don't know how this how this guy's name is pronounced. I'm so sorry. Montero hits a triple with an with an expected batting average of, like, 90. Like, 0-90. It just feels like everything that could have possibly gone wrong for Lynch in this inning went wrong. And not all of it was his fault. You know, some of it was just, frankly, unlucky hits. And some of it was just his fielders failing him. And so, instead of throwing, I don't know, 10 to 20 pitches and maybe giving up one run, he ends up throwing, like, 35 pitches and gives up five runs in the first inning. Like, this just, this complete, that, that error in the beginning, and, and granted, you know, the hit-by-pitch didn't help him either, but that just changed the entire inning for him, and it changed the entire game as a result. You know, he, he throws 20 extra pitches, gives up so many extra runs, and now only goes five innings, five runs, or rather three earned runs. As opposed to, you know, maybe it could have been six innings with two earned runs. And maybe if that's all it was, then the Royals could have won this game because they scored four. The hitters generally did their job. Uh, funny enough, Bobby Witt Jr. had a three-hit game, once again confirming my theory that he has to do something bad to, in order to do something good in the game. So, like, yeah, he made a fielding error that could have potentially cost the team the game. But he also got three hits. <laughs> So that's cool. And this is just how a bad baseball team loses. It's not because of one specific reason. It's just something else every day. They are consistently inconsistent. That's the thing with this team. They, you know, sometimes they hit really well, but usually when they hit well, the pitching is really bad. And then sometimes they actually pitch pretty well for what it's like. Again, the the pitching this season or not this season, this series, this three game series against the Rockies was actually not bad outside of, you know, (laughs) Carlos Hernandez. Basically, Um, they won on set on Sunday. They won. It was a shutout. They won two to nothing. So that's pretty good. Brady Singer pitched a great game. Five point two innings, seven strikeouts, five hits, no walks. The entire pitching staff did not give up. There was actually no walks by any team. Neither team walked on Saturday, or Sunday, rather. But I guess good for the Royals. They didn't give up a single walk. And they struck out 14 batters as a staff. Meanwhile, the Royals only struck out twice on Sunday. They only scored two runs, but hey, they they, 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 they did all right. Very, very quiet offensive game, basically. But I don't know, whatever. They, they won. Good. Good job. But anyway, I mean... I also say that this that the pitching has been pretty good this series. Royals also only scored how many runs? Two, four, two. They only scored. They only scored eight runs. I spaced out for a second because I'm actually that stupid. 
They averaged less than three runs per game in this series. And that's kind of why the Royals haven't even had a three-game winning streak this entire season. They just, they can't even put things together for a little bit of the time. There is just always something wrong with it. But what's wrong with it isn't a single specific issue. It is ever-changing. The exact opposite of this is how you get a good baseball team. A good baseball team is able to make up for its differences so that it's not, you know, showing some different symptom of, of illness every single game, if that makes sense. Baseball is a game of consistency. The teams that win the most are the teams that are the most consistent, generally. Teams that have a really big, glaring weakness are able to overcome that. They're able to make up for that with some other aspect that's just way better. Or sometimes teams are good because they don't have this particularly high level of talent. It's just that they don't have a, a, a very low bottom either. They don't have this huge hole in the team. And what's kind of sad about the Royals right now is that there's not really any particular strength that they have right now. And also, they don't have they, they they have a very, very deep bottom. They have a lot of holes on the team. So maybe that's why they're on pace for like 112 losses or however much it's at right now. That's, um, I'm not, not going to lie. It is still shocking. It is still shocking because I don't think that this team is as bad as the 2000s team. I don't even think that this team is as bad as like the 2018 and 2019 rosters. I mean, 2019, we had a freaking Terrence Gore in the lineup, bro. Like, there is no way that this team is worse than that, right? I I just find that really, really hard to believe. But I don't know. <laughs> last year, Around this time last year, I was also saying the same thing. I'm like, this season is not as bad as it was in 2019. I, I assure you of that. Um Although, funny enough, I do sometimes see some people saying, like, oh, well, at least in 2018 and 2019, those years were fun. I'm like, dude, just because this year sucks doesn't mean you have to have rose-tinted glasses about 2018 and 2019. Those were not fun years. There was nothing fun about the Lucas Duda years. I assure you of that. <laughs> but, yeah, around this time last year, people were saying 2022 was the worst season ever. And I'm like, nah, 2019 was the worst season. And then the the Toronto thing happened, and then I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is the worst season, because <laughs> at least at least in the past, I wasn't pissed off as much as I am in 2022. But I'm over that. I'm not. I don't get. I don't get mad anymore. I'm staying cool. I'm staying cool. That's what I what I do here. If I can still shine some light on it, on this, I. And maybe I've already been doing this, but I still do believe in the talent on this roster. I do genuinely think that there is a world that exists where the Royals are good with a solid number of the players that are on the roster right now already. Like, this team can be a winning team. Not, you know, the way it is, obviously. But I do think that there are reasons to believe in. There are players to believe in. Even if the, even if those players haven't been playing all that well right now, like MJ, like Bobby, uh, Vinny has been slumping for a couple of weeks, and some, I'm starting to get a little bit worried. I'm just kind of like, "Hey, Vinny, what are you what are you doing? What's going on, bro? What's the matter? Come on, 
Even some of the pitchers I don't want to give up on. Brady Singer has actually been pitching decently lately. Daniel Lynch has been all right. So I am kind of admitting to the fact that the Royals are really bad and they kind of are have they kind of they kind of are have they kind of are as bad as they have as the record shows basically they they're playing like their record shows at this point they're playing like an an 18 and 41 team would be expected to play which is not very good but i do believe that you know things can get a lot better in the future in the very near future obviously things do have to change Things have to be done a lot differently than they are right now. They're going to have to spend a little bit a little bit more money, maybe a little more than a little bit more money than they've been spending right now. They have to, you know, obviously get rid of some of these players and get in some different guys, but I also feel like I also feel like a lot of these players are just going to get better. And actually one other small point that I've wanted to make that I've been thinking about lately is that I feel like a big issue that the Royals have had this season is overcomplication with the actual players and the roster management and the lineup management. I don't know, like, I don't think this is something I can truly and genuinely back up with, you know, hard evidence or anything. It's just, it's basically just a theory that I have. So you can choose to believe in this if if you want. If not, you know, that's cool. Um, I understand no hard feelings, but I feel like a reason why the Royals might not be why these players might be performing below expectations is because they're trying and expecting to do more than what they're actually capable of at this point. Like, I think a really big thing is that the positional versatility that a lot of these players carry is something that I think was maybe exaggerated by the Royals and emphasized a little bit too much. Like, the Royals have been getting really cute with what these players could possibly do. Like, having MJ Melendez be a catcher and also a right fielder. And Nick Prado being a gold glove first baseman, but also a left fielder. Nate Eaton being a a center fielder, but also a third baseman. Bobby Wood Jr. being a third baseman and also a second, or not a second baseman, being being a shortstop and also a third baseman. It's like, these guys are always moving around the field, moving around the diamond, and also hitting in different spots, like every single day. And maybe sometimes the way to fix that issue is to just stop doing things. Just have everybody stay in one place and just let them do their thing. Give everybody one specific task to work on and let them do that instead of giving them five different things to think about. Honestly, this is something that I was talking about all the way back last year. Now, I was fine with them doing whatever it is last year. Last year, they they, they were free to experiment however they felt, okay? But I was also saying all throughout last year, I'm like, okay, they can continue doing whatever it is they feel like they need to do, but this offseason, they should have it figured out who is going to play what position. They need to stop screwing around with these guys. And they didn't really do that, especially with MJ. I was saying all throughout last season, I'm like, you know what? I don't buy MJ Melendez as a catcher. I think he should just be in the outfield and focus on hitting. And then the Royals went into this season saying, 
MJ Melendez is a catcher still. So we're going to keep him at catcher. And I feel like that lasted like two or three weeks. And then eventually, finally, they're like, okay, uh, MJ is not really a catcher anymore. We're going to put him in the outfield so we can focus on hitting. It's like, bro, why didn't you just do that earlier? I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't think I can actually genuinely prove that. I don't know if anybody has specifically said that. Um, I do know that Bobby has been – Annie Rogers just posted a, a story – of just posted. She posted this after Saturday's loss, I believe. She, uh, she she had a little interview with Bobby Witt Jr., and he was talking about the error, and he was talking about how he was trying to do too much. And that was kind of his problem last season. He was always trying to do too much. The game was speeding up. He was moving too fast, just tr- trying to get too much done. So he slowed things down, slim- simplified things. It's a different issue than what I'm talking about technically because I'm talking about, you know, roster construction and management and stuff like that. I'm just trying to make sense of this. It's just a, a theory that I have, a bit of a speculation. Uh, I think that's about it for current Royals talk. So let's talk about the future. We are going to play a three-game series against the Miami Marlins. But before we get into that, I got to add something to the podcast. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So, the Royals are going to play a three-game series against the Miami Marlins in Miami. And uh, the Marlins are a really, really interesting team. They are 32-28, and 28, which is just above 500, but good enough for one of the wildcard spots in a very, very crowded National League. Just National League in general, not just one division. But what's interesting about them is that their Pythagorean record is actually significantly negative. In terms of wins and losses, they should be 26 and 34. Um, not counting Sunday's game, um, they've, they've scored 226 runs and allowed 265. So, yeah, they should actually be well below 500, but instead they're a few games above 500. What does that mean? Does that mean that there are a bunch of frauds? No, not necessarily. There is one thing it means. It means they're winning a lot of a lot of one-run games. They are 16 and 4 in one-run games. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting. Get I'm getting 2016 Texas Rangers vibes from them right now. Um so uh, as you might expect from a team that doesn't actually play all that well, they are just kind of eh all around. They are 16th in Team ERA with a 4.25 Team ERA. Then again, not counting um, Sunday's game, which they won against the Oakland Athletics, even though Sandy Alcantara pitched like crap. Sandy Alcantara is not pitching well this season, and no one knows why. <laughs> Nobody has an explanation for this. It's very stressful. And um, in terms of weighted runs created plus, the Marlins are 18th with a 98, so that's 2% below the league average they are doing they are hitting the ball a lot they have an average a team batting average of 260 which is eighth in the major leagues on base percentage is 321 that is right about average and their slugging is uh 19th with a 396 so yeah they're just kind of like okay it's about it they're just okay they're whatever they don't really do anything all that special but they do have some very, very interesting players. Some players that I really like. I really like Sandy Alcantara, but once again, he's not good. And no one knows why <laughs> this season. Um, but the rest of the rotation is fine. Jesus Luzardo is pretty good. 
He's in my fantasy team, so I'm rooting for him. Even though we're actually going to see him on Wednesday, so uh, rather on Tuesday, so I probably shouldn't want that. <laughs> uh, Braxton Garrett, pretty all right. I'm not. I don't think we're going to see. Him. No, we're going to see him all right. We're we're, we're going to see him on Monday. Um, but also they've got Jorge Soler on there, and let me tell you, if you haven't heard yet, Jorge Soler is back back, like like legit. Here, here's the thing. Jorge Soler, his home run rate, his home run percentage this season is 7.1%. He's hitting a home run in 7.1% of his at-bats, although, again, not including Sunday's games. That is the exact same percentage he had in 2019. He's on pace to be to hit 48 home runs again. He's doing it. He is back-back. Um, and, yeah. He's just he's just having a freaking awesome season. He's hitting seven. He has seventeen home runs in the season so far. Uh, good for him, honestly. Pretty cool. They've also got Luis Arise, who was the batting title champion last season, and so far the batting title champion this season. And it's kind of a runaway because he's hitting three ninety. This guy is hitting three ninety. It is June fourth. He's hitting three ninety. So uh yeah, pretty interesting stuff. They've got some they've got some guys. I I like the Marlins. I also really like Jazz Chisholm Jr., but he hasn't been playing very well this season and also he's injured, so we're not going to see him. Why? Of course, the one time we get to play the Marlins that we don't get to see the one player I really like from that team. Figures. Thanks. This is just proof that God hates the Royals because we can't even have this. We can't even watch the player that I would really like to see right now. So, starting pitchers for this series, the Marlins are going to send out Braxton Garrett. He's relatively young. Not relatively young. No, he's 25. He is young. Um, but I, I meant relatively new to the league. He only really got started. Like, he's he's been throwing since 2020 technically, but 2022 is when he, like, really seemed to get started. Uh, Through 17 starts, 88 innings, 3.58 days over two. I mean, sorry, 3.58 ERA. This season so far, he's just generally continued that 4.22 ERA 11 or rather 10 games but 11 11 games but 10 starts wow I am (laughs) backwards all over the place today Uh, 53.1 innings so he's just like all right he's a guy but you know what you'll take that that's good and then on Tuesday the Royals uh, no not the Royals um, the Marlins are going to bring out Jesus Luzardo, the guy on my fantasy roster. He has a 4.05 ERA so far, 12 starts, 66.2 innings pitched, um, and he has a over he has over 10 strikeouts per nine. So he strikes out a lot of guys, doesn't walk a ton of guys. So he's actually underperforming his peripherals a little bit. We'll have to see how this goes. But he's um he's another guy who's also just 25. And uh, has been throwing since 2019, actually, but only really got started. Only, well, actually, no, he did seem to regularly start in 2021. But last year was when he actually like got good through 100 innings, 3.32 ERA. So, yeah, he's definitely, uh, he's getting there. He's getting a lot better. And then on Wednesday, the Marlins are going to bring out Edward Cabrera. He also has 12 starts, 58 innings pitched, 4.5 ERA. But also strikes out a lot of guys. He has almost almost twelve strikeouts per nine, but also five and a half walks per nine. So that's definitely the thing that is killing him the most. He's actually leading the National League in walks. So 
That's unfortunate, but he is striking out a lot of guys. So he's staying afloat. He has an ERA plus of 97. That's almost average. Close enough. Uh, and, and, and guess what? Guess how old this guy is? He's also 25. <laughs> That's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just funny. The Royals do not have any probable pitchers listed, but they did say it, it has been confirmed by officials that it is going to be um, it's going to be Carlos Hernandez starting with Mike Myers taking the bulk of the game after that. So it's going to be, you know, one of those games again. And then I'm going to just assume that it's going to be Zach Greinke and then Jordan Lyles after that. We'll see how this series goes, but whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Until then, I'm going to go. Thanks for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at the MFNKC. But if you don't care about me at all, and I don't blame you, no hard feelings, you can follow the podcast Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod. Or further inquiries can be sent to royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, no matter what it is. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. And I hope you have a good one. Have a good week, y'all. I'll see you on Friday. And until then, I'm Lux and go Royals! That sounded so fake. Go Royals! Ooh!